Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lab. The U.S. Ryder Cup team is set. We'll break down the picks, who they are, why they got selected, and of course, the fun part, who got snubbed. We'll also talk Victor Hovland, the FedEx Cup champion and one of the greatest performances of the year. And yes, it's the start of college football season. Go dogs! Fantasy football season. Go Lav. Uh, and it also means the start of barbecue season formally more on that in a moment but first rex zach johnson the u.s captain just finished his press conference live from frisco texas new home of the pga of america apparently we're still living in the zoom era a couple of laughable moments where reporters uh, who are over the age of 60 could not figure out how to take themselves off of mute what were your reaction to the six american wildcard picks that is justin thomas jordan speed kamurakawa brooks kepka ricky fowler and sam Burns. You know what? I, I have to be honest with you. When that happened to Pop Pop, we're talking about Alex Maselli. For those who don't know, he, he's a, a reporter that's been around forever. We have a lot of respect for him, but he's the reporter who was over 60 oh. that, of course, got fooled by Zoom like most over 60 year olds do. And as a soon to be 60 year old, I was in the queue waiting to get called and panicked as soon as that happened. Because in my mind, I'm thinking maybe I'm not going to get it right. And there was suddenly so much, just the weight of this is too much pressure. I literally put my hand down. Luckily, Pop Pop kind of asked my question. So I got the answer that I wanted, but I was terrified. Uh, to answer your question, those are, those are televised picks. And we're hearing stumbling, bumbling re reporters' uh, questions. Can't okay. figure it out. There's always a delay in asking it. Oh, it's, it's, it never ceases to, to humor us. And we used to, I remember specifically like going straight from the playoff event in Boston and driving, actually driving down to Manhattan to do it the year that Tom Watson made his picks. And and I, I think that we got away from that during COVID. I, we really need to go back because that's awkward. The players have to sit there and just stare at the Zoom blank. Sam Burns did not ask, he didn't get asked a single question. He just sat there no, for didn't. an hour. No, he did. I, I sent you a screenshot because he had the President's Cup flag when he was answering it over his right-hand shoulder. It was, it was beautiful. I, I sent you a text about it. Oh, that was, but that was just from Julius Mason, PJ Tour, yes. uh, PJ of America moderator. He did not actually get a reporter's question, so he's just he sitting did. there as Jordan Spieth handles them. Justin Thomas is getting grilled about his current form and kind of what the last couple of months have been like as he waited to get a pick. Uh, to answer the question about the picks, and I guess we're going to kick them around here, there were no surprises whatsoever. And look, I don't want to be that reporter that goes, oh, no, I knew exactly what it was going to be like. But 
I mean, I wrote it Sunday night before we left Eastlake. You and you probably wrote it earlier in the week. We kind of knew four or five of those picks, locks, if you want to go that far now. Uh, it kind of came down to four or five different players for that last pick. I think we both agreed that if you were going to – here's where it gets weird. Who, who do I feel like Zach should have picked versus who he picked? He picked Sam Burns, and if you're, you're creating a team – and you're trying to create a winning atmosphere, and you're trying to win for the first time in Europe in three decades, then yes, you need to factor in the idea of, if I'm going to pick this guy, who is he going to pair with? And Sam Burns is an easy pick to pair with Scotty Scheffler. They're best friends. They were in each other's weddings. They vacation together. All of the things. It makes perfect sense. But when you start going down, and we can get into this later, I reached out to a statistician who had actually worked for Henrik Stenson who was when he was the Ryder Cup captain and had put up a profile of exactly what they planned to do with the golf course in Rome and exactly the type of player you would go for. It's statistically, Zach didn't go after the players he probably should. And this, this is, you have to give sort of history and hindsight the benefit of the doubt here. You have to see how this plays out, but it's feeling a lot like Paris right now. In what way? Because Marco Simone has, has traditionally favored the best driver's of the golf ball that week. Cameron Young is a better driver of the golf ball than Sam Burns is. Keegan Bradley is a better driver of the golf ball than Sam Burns is. But Sam Burns is still above average in the PGA Tour. He's 35th in strokes gained off the tee. Uh, he's, he's, I think, picked primarily for a couple of reasons, Rex. Obviously, he's an elite putter, always has been. He won the match player this year. Uh, easy partnership for Scotty Scheffler, uh, with whom, uh, of course, he did go 0-2-1 uh, at last year's President's Cup, but neither player was in particularly good form. But I think, listening to Jordan Spieth, I think there's also an element, too, that there's this core of young Americans between the age of 26, let's call it, and 30, who have grown up playing a lot of golf together. They've all been battle-tested, whether playing against each other on the PGA Tour or in these Cup teams. They all have the same hunger and the same mentality players who are not going to be phased by the daunting atmosphere and environment that they're going to have when they uh, head over to Rome in Marco Simone. I think that played a lot into Zach Johnson's picks, even more so than the, what a statistician might tell you about who's a particularly good course fit uh, for, for this place. Uh, first things first, did they not have the the large logo for that shirt when, when you bought it? <laughs> Was the large logo not available for the? This is this is actually so. This is this is the Georgia shirt. I know you can't see it particularly well. This I is the Georgia shirt that they see gave it from the moon when uh, when Nike knew that college golf was going to be televised on Golf Channel, and so they wanted to make sure that you could see them from a couple of fairways over. Make sure when they're getting interviewed, that's the only thing that you could see. It was actually the logo on the back as well. Uh, is is quite large. It's basically like a uniform number. And before we continue this conversation, I also want to point out a funny thing that I didn't get to yesterday on Golf Today when you and I were doing the roundtable. Uh, going to the last question, and this was hilarious to me. And if anybody wants to go back and look, you can see how I'm laughing and you see the joy on my face. Because Eamon Lynch asked you, asked both of us, for a yes or no answer. And I immediately thought to myself, Labner has never answered yes or no to anything in his entire life. That's basically TV parlance, isn't it? For yeah, hey man, for we got it, we got it, we got to, we got to get to break here. Give us a one word answer. I wasn't going to play ball. I I had takes. Oh no, and I and I unloaded my take. 
it, it's clear which way you're coming in on this one by your your tweets, by what you've said so far in the podcast. Like you, you're all in on JT, and uh, I'm not going to be, debate you on that. Like heart and soul of the team, whatever cliche you want to throw out there. In right now, it's really really hard to debate that. The fact of the matter is, if you look at the top six players, those six players who Zach Johnson chose to pick. Uh, and again, Brooks is kind of an outlier here because he plays on a different tour. But those six players combined have exactly five top five finishes since the U.S. Open. Five. That's it in PGA Tour events. Exactly five top five finishes since that time period. Lucas Glover on his own has five top five finishes. Keegan Bradley has three top five finishes. We can sit and keep going down the list. I I'm not even saying that this was a bad idea because the hot hand makes no sense in this particular context. Going back to the Billy Horsher rule in 2014 and then when it was implemented in 2016, if we were all crawling on a plane on Sunday night in Atlanta, which thankfully we weren't because we definitely wouldn't have made those flights with the way the no. TSA line uh, was in Atlanta airport. If we were all getting on a plane to go to Rome on Sunday night from Eastlake, then yes, I think Lucas Glover, Keegan Bradley, those two players specifically had a really, really good argument to do this. But because we're going to wait a month, before we ever get on there, and I, this kind of goes to what Zach Johnson was asked in his press conference. He was asked specifically if there was anything that happened at Eastlake that changed his mind. And he kind of hemmed and hauled and danced around it. And the answer was absolutely not. Other than the fact that I met the six players who, for a dinner who had already qualified on Tuesday night in Atlanta. Other than that, nothing happened at Eastlake. I would argue that nothing happened at the BG, uh, BMW Championship the week before. I would argue nothing happened in Memphis when Lucas Glover won because it's clear that Zach Johnson has had these picks on his mind for quite a while. I would say at least a month that, okay, this is the way it's going to play out. And it might be brilliant. We may get to Sunday night in Rome and just watch the entire team high-five Zach Johnson and talk about how – you put him right alongside some of the great captains of our generation, right there along Paul Azinger, right there along any of the great captains, or it could go the other way. And sort of that's the cross that Zach has to bear. I'm a little dubious right now when I look at the stats, because I do think they matter. I was in Paris. You were in Paris. We saw how completely ill-equipped that U.S. team was to play that golf course. Phil Mickelson, as a pick that year, was comical. Nothing against Phil, but his style of play was never going to play out in Paris. You that and I feels both like that feels like hindsight though. Like Tiger Woods played horribly in Paris, but he just won the uh, previous week. And that wasn't fair. At the, yeah. at the I'm not even picking, Bryson, I'm not even saying Bryson that. Shambo had Tiger the best year of his career in not 2018. Not a good course for Bryson. Not a good course. But you're going to leave him off? Uh well, I mean best year on, we, it was his best year on tour. Again, I'll go back to you. what are we trying to do here? Are we just trying to reward good play? Because if that's the case, why don't we just take the top 12 off the final FedEx Cup points list? Honestly, I'm not even being facetious here. Like, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to actually win the Ryder Cup over in Europe for the first time? And I'll, I'll lean into this every time. Three damn decades it's been since the U.S. team won the Ryder Cup in Europe. Or are we just trying to recognize that, hey, you guys had a really good season. You've been loyal soldiers to the PGA Tour. All of those things. Like, what are we trying to do here? Because... I'll keep coming back to the idea. And, and again, hindsight is, is wicked in this. And, and I hate playing this game right after the picks have come out, but we kind of knew what they were going to be. So we've had time to digest them. If you look at the four stats, and again, I went to the statistician. If you went to the four stats that really, really matter, it's accuracy off the tee. Again, Rome's going to play a lot like Paris, and we can go back and revisit that. It's going to be putting. It's going to be putting. It's going to be greens and regulation, and it's going to be scrambling. JT, your boy, JT. 
ranked outside the top 100 in every single one of those categories on the PGA Tour this year. Every single one. So, again, my question is, what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to make this a, a fun guys trip where I Jordan clearly likes playing with JT? Is that what this is about? Are we trying to win? So who would you who would you suggest? Who would you take off? Give give me some names because if 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 you're saying Lucas Glover, I'm not buying it. Lucas Glover a month ago was fighting to keep his PJ Tour card. If you're seeing Keegan Bradley, I'm not totally buying it. I wouldn't have been against a Keegan Bradley pick, but he also has not played in the Ryder Cup in nine years. He's extremely anxious by nature. Uh, he has yes a couple of wins this season, but did not play well in the major championships, had a chance to win the FedEx cup and didn't finish it off. Nothing in the last two weeks may have eventually mattered when it came to the Ryder cup selection. But Forget about Zach the Johnson, last two weeks. But listen, I, I think if you're Zach Johnson, you certainly had some anxious moments. Did you not at East Lake Lucas Glover started the tour championship, just five shots off the lead. Keegan Bradley started. Uh, he was certainly in the mix through 36 holes and then backed up a little bit on the weekend. Had those players gone on to win, Maybe it wouldn't have changed Zach Johnson's body. Maybe he was completely dead set, but that would have been a whole lot more contentious of a Ryder Cup press conference if he left those guys off the team and had to somehow justify it. Fortunately, if you're Zach Johnson, it did not fall that way. And these are the 12 guys. I understand what you're saying, and you clearly don't like the Justin Thomas pick. I would just counter with, no. who, who, would you, who would you rather have? Who would you rather have? I'm just looking at, let's look at this clinical. Because again, I, I don't want to make this personal because you what you're going to try to do is turn this into, oh, oh you're, look, just, you're looking, you're looking objectively at the data. I'm looking objectively one, at the data. That is one data point. Clearly, clearly. Based on how many data points? Based on what else would you do it with? Who do I want to pair with? Okay. Team fit, pairings, who the other players on the team want to play with. This is their team. If they, if they don't want X player, Ricky is three, and they, seven, in and favor five of someone else in the Ryder Cup. Three, seven, and five. So again, we I can sit here and pick apart all of these data points that you want to throw at me. Three, seven, and five. I, I know JT has a good record. Jordan has an okay record, by the way. It, it's not great. I mean, seventy-one percent apparently in four-ball play. He's eight, seven, and three. So he's in, in the grammar scheme of things, he's barely above five hundred. So if, if that's the, the litmus test, we're going here. I, I, I'm, I just keep going back to the idea. That and I to answer your question, I would say Keegan, because if we're looking, I don't, at this I don't hate that. I don't, I don't, and, I don't hate the Keegan pick. And and if we're going to go back, forget about last week, forget about the last two weeks. The stat I just threw at you suggests that Zach doesn't care what's happened since the U.S. Open. Again, those six picks combined five top five finishes. Lucas Glover on his own has that many, so it's obvious that he hasn't been really paying attention individually to what's happening here. And my guess is. A lot of that does have to do with the idea that we're more than a month away from the matches. That so much could change a player's form, a player's health, uh, uh, lifestyle choices, whatever it is you want to factor into this. So much could change between now and then, which is makes this kind of an outlier year. Because, again, I'll go back to almost every other year in recent history. We've gotten on the plane and we've flown straight to wherever the matches are. And we're having a much different conversation. You would agree with that if we had just gotten on a plane, correct? Yes. Then you would have the Billy Horschel hot hand rule. Got it. Going going forward. However, we're recording this podcast on August 29th. The picks just got made. They don't first ball's not in the air for exactly one month from now. That is an eternity in golf. To bring it back to Lucas Glover, a month ago, again, had not yet locked up his PJ well, tour status for the following right. season. A, a month is a lifetime 
in professional golf. And well, so, and I'll, yes, I'll, I think it's I'll a different flip that on, on you keep coming back to that with Lucas. And I, I will counter that with, if you look at him statistically over the course of the entire year, driving accuracy, he's ninth. Again, th- these are key stats who were thrown at me by someone who actually prepared these stats for the European team. Driving accuracy, he's ninth on the PGA Tour. That's his season-long average. That's not his last month average. Putting, we all know. He he was not very good at putting until he found the magic formula, thanks to the Navy SEAL. 156 strokes game putting. And in GIR, he's 12th. He's also uh, inside the top 30 on tour and scrambling. If you're taking all of those four stats, and again, you, you're probably going to debate those four stats, but it, those four stats are going to be the ones that, that we've picked to look at to zero in on by comparison. And again, this is not personal. I understand why JT's on the team. I think he'll probably have end up having a really good match driving average this year. He ranks 132nd putting average 137th. Keep going. GIR 127th scrambling 150th. Like I, I know you seem to think he's going to find the magic formula between wherever he finished up at Wyndham. And by the time we get to Rome, but man, it's hard to see how he gets there. If, so I think that JT will find something, and I also think Lucas Glover. Why do you think that? Would, give me would, give me a rational reason why you think that, other than because, oh my gut tells me because I'm I'm tired of hearing about people's guts. Because seven seven weeks uh, without tournament competition, a wave of competition in Napa is an is a is a perfect opportunity for him to work on his game. Never during the season do you have Maybe that sort of dedicated time to hit the reset button and get to work. And find something. That he's playing next week in Napa. Give me the he example. Says he's, Give he me says the he's encouraged. We don't know. We've never had this sort of time off. Exactly. We, we do not know. There is no comp whatsoever. We, there okay. is no reason for Zach Johnson to sit in that big boardroom and be like, no, no, no. He's got seven weeks. He figured it out. Just like this guy, this guy, and this guy. There is no comp to this. That's why I'm going to put my faith in a future Hall of Famer, a 15-time tour winner, a player who prior to this season had finished just wor- worse so than 12. You keep just once. No, I've, when you it comes do. to J, when it comes to JT, you can't there's give me a reason. JT, JT, I am. I'm giving you several reasons. No one, not, not that are not, not, not a, that are real. His career record, his team competition record, sixteen five and three. His presence in the team room. Zach Johnson, he is the heart and soul of this team. Four, the other players wanted him. Five, partner play. Jordan Spieth, their record speaks for itself. When they get to four balls. An alternate shot. Is JT going to play all five matches like like he typically would? Probably not, unless he shows up in Napa and wins and shows absolutely baller form. Uh, no, I do not expect him to play all five matches. That does not mean that he will have that he will not have an impact for this U.S. side. JT to me was an absolute no-brainer. If you're going to nitpick on any of these selections, I think it's Sam Burns. I could have been I could have been swayed for Cameron Young, who's a better driver of the golf ball. I could have been swayed. Keegan Bradley, uh, who uh, I think is obviously one of the most passionate uh, members uh, of the of the would-be American side. Ultimately, they chose with youth. They chose with match play performance this year. They chose with recent form, three top 15s in Sam Burns' last four starts. That That is the pick to me that you could quibble with. But JT, it's it's a slam dunk. Europe, Europe has done this for decades where regardless of form, Sergio Garcia or Ian Poulter were going to be on that team. They know when they show up to the Ryder Cup that they morph and transform into different players, and more times than not, they're incredibly successful in that format. I don't know why we're treating JT any differently just because he's an American and not a European. Europe's done this successfully for the past two decades. Oh, I'm just looking at at the stats. I'm looking at... at But that's just one data point. Who cares? It's one. 
I, well, his play also matters. He didn't even qualify for the playoffs. So that that factors in here. He, he didn't qualify for this team. Like, I, there's plenty of things. Like, I'm pointing to actual facts. You're going back to, oh, he's done this well in the past. Yes. That, that, that's your that's, argument. That's hugely significant. That's not my only argument, I, that, but that is I don't think it is. Factor. I don't I, think I, it I is. Literally just, I literally just at, rattled off six things. I literally just did it. Uh, no, no. What you did is you talked about your gut. He needs to be on this team because my gut tells me. That's that's what you're telling me. I just that's, said that's, six different things. Well, because past past performance is part. It's a data point. But I don't know that American captains need to put much stock into that based on what they haven't done overseas. Like he has played in a Ryder Cup overseas and he's come up short. He was one right? of the few players who actually played well in Paris. And, and I'm not even – that was a different JT at a different time. We can both agree with that. And you're, you're right. It seems like I'm picking on Sam Burns, so I'm going to go ahead and transition here. Jordan Spieth, those exact same st stats. I don't have to tell you this one. 123rd off the tee driving accuracy. Not his best. Putting, you're going to be surprised there. Eighth, 80th in strokes game putting this year. GIR, 146. 146 in GIR. It's not as though, and look, we all know what this is about. Yes, JT is the heart and soul of the team, and I'm not, I'm not debating that at all. I know you're right. He is, he's going to be the emotional leader in that team room, and he's going to make it fun. And this goes back to what we're trying to do here. The idea that you pick them as a package, which I think we can all agree to, that, that Jordan and JT are a package, right? Yeah. I mean, I think you could throw Ricky in there playing with Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth potentially as well. I, sure. I would kind of put but, the but Jordan and JT are package. I don't know if you've heard this, but they're 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 pretty good friends. So I don't even know how much I, I like that pick, to be honest with you. And I think you're right with with Sam Burns. Who do you want? It, you want Adam Shank on this team? I mean, someone I, has to fill out the roster. All these guys, all twelve well, players, why, are ranked inside the top twenty six in the world. They're not like these picking scrubs. No, I'm trying to pivot here because we've sort of worn this one out. So what I'm pivoting to is just the idea that because of what Libgoff has done at the highest level. And we've seen the way that it has already looks. Look at the way it's impacted this year's Ryder Cup team. Only seven of these players played at Whistling Straits two years ago. And that team at Whistling Straits was really, really good. Like that was probably one of the best American teams in recent history. You kind of lost a big part of that when you lost DJ, when you lost Bryson. I guess you can make the argument when you lost Patrick Reed to some degree. You, you can't shake your head and say no. I mean, they were a big part of that team. And now you sort of flip the other side and you look at what the European team is going to look like. And look, we'll have this probably the same conversation next week after Luke Donald makes his picks. Liv Goff is going to force them to do what I feel like the Americans probably have to do. Because we had this conversation about your boy Aberg, that he's going to end up being on that team. And it had it been maybe a different scenario, a different time without Liv Goff, I don't know that that comes to pass. And I feel like it's almost going to be a seminal moment when we get to these matches, because it will be clearly with the European team still top heavy with your Victor Hovland, your John Roms, your Roy McElroy's, but they will have such new looks on there. It'll be which one of the, those Hogar twins that we can never seem to remember is the better. Nick Nikolai is the one who's going to be on the team. Uh, that mountain of a man, Adrian Moronk will end up being on there. I believe your boy Ludwig will end up being on there. It will be such a different team. And again, this is all hindsight. I'm not even saying that, oh, it's going to play out better for them than it is for the United States. I don't know. That's what's going to make these matches so fascinating to me because it is going to be a seminal moment between these two sides. You have the Americans who are still kind of clinging 
to this idea that this is the way that we decided coming out of Glen Eagles, we were going to make it work. And by God, we're going to continue down that road with the, with the Europeans are just going through this huge sort of makeover and not by their own design. I'm sure Luke's not loving what he's having to do with his team right now, but you can see how it could play out a, a lot of different ways. And look, I, I think you're somehow dismissing the fact that the American team that showed up last fall at Quell Hollow was one of the best teams we've we've seen as well. And yet there was still Again. kind of some transition from that team as well. Like Wyndham Clark, breakout year, two-time winner, including the U.S. Open. Brian Harmon, feisty bulldog, go dogs. Finally gets his major in the Open Championship and now is playing uh, in a team competition. A lot of people probably would have wanted him because of his putting prowess uh, on a team Prior to that, you look at Brooks Kepka, uh, his his career seemingly derailed by injuries last year, seeing what he's done in the major championships. I know what you're setting up here, Rex, and I don't I don't disagree with your premise. The Americans might be ranked inside the top, all 12 might be ranked inside the top 26. All of these players no, seem like they do uh, will, no, will get you're along not, you're not together. Don't, I, don't do, I do believe at this time I would pick Europe to win, and that nope. would have been unthinkable nine months ago, but if you look at this American roster, and I, I know what you're doing here, look at this American roster, you can Keep pick nits, that. you can pick nits with any of these guys. You really can. Scotty Shuffler is probably not going to be given a putt that is inside of a foot and a half. Wyndham Clark played well at East Lake. This is going to be a, a player who's playing in his first cup competition. Ditto for Brian Harmon, who has kind of tailed off a little bit after the Open Championship. Patrick Cantlay, surprisingly, did not win this season. Max Homa, don't know how he's going to do. A uh, ball of energy, how he's going to do in a way Ryder Cup. Xander Schauffele did not win. My player of the year for 2023 uh, did not win. Brooks Kepka, his record is so-so when it comes to the Ryder Cup. Jordan Spieth, kind of depends on how JT is going to play. Kyle Morikawa, will he find a partner uh, who can who could putt, who is not named Dustin Johnson? Sam Burns, he and Scheffler went 0-2-1 at... Uh, uh, the President's Cup last year. Will he be able to find something? Ricky, you've kind of gone over his record, uh, three, seven, and five. Uh, that's a lot of half points uh, when it comes to Ricky Fowler. Like, you can, you can talk about all these guys. I don't disagree with your overall premise. I know that's what you're setting up here. You think that Europe's going to win, and I think they will as well. If you're the Americans, and now you got four or five weeks off, and only a handful of them are going to be playing in Napa next week at the start of the FedEx Cup fall, I think you have some serious questions when it comes to the Americans. And it wouldn't surprise me right now if the futility across the pond extended. Uh, sorry, I went on a deep dive on can you pick nits? I don't know if, if that's correct or not. But if any, if any irregardless, please, irregardless, irregardless of what you found. Take that, Bauer. Uh, that true. Can you, uh, can you pick nits? Can yes. someone please let us know uh, in the comments? You guys are so kind. When it comes to the comments, please let us know. No, I'm not doing that. You're trying to do the thing where you're backing me into a corner, and I'm not saying the U.S. team should not be favored. They're going to be favored just They're because – They're going to be favored, but I do not think they will win. I'm not even doing that thing. I, it's more interesting to me now than it probably was a month ago, now that we've gotten here and you start sort of taking a deeper dive on just the idea of how different these two teams are. We're at an inflection point in time where the Europeans are having a zig while the United States, while the United States team is going to zag. The United States team is going to fall back on all those players. You're right. Wyndham's new. I, I know Harmon is a rookie, but it's hard to sit here and look at him that way. But basically this was, and I know, and I'm not even trying to dismiss what Zach Johnson and the rest of his vice captains have done over the last week or two. I know there's been a lot put into this, 
But essentially what he did was fall back into that same sort of idea that we had coming out of Glen Eagles, that there has to be continuity between the teams. And that's just not with captains and vice captains. That's clearly with players as well. I'm not going to sit here and tell you any of those guys shouldn't have got a pick because that by definition is what it is. Zach Johnson has those six picks to decide how to make his team better. What I'm questioning, did he make his team better? I mean, Zach Johnson is privy to a whole lot more information. If the, six, if the six automatic qualifiers think that they made the team better, and those are the guys who they're going to be going to war with and playing over a three-day exhibition at Marco Simone, then the answer is yes. I, I do not disagree with any of Captain Zach Johnson's picks. Uh, I think he I think common sense prevailed. That does not mean I think they are going to win. You have yet to give me the players or the team that you think would give the U.S. Ryder Cup team the best chance of victory. I think we had this conversation last you week. Seem, there, there, you seem to be criticizing the pick, but you have not given me a solution. That's not that's not uh, good column writing. Oh, I, I think, well, no, I, I would go twofold. One, I'll give you two with, with this answer. One, the idea that six picks is probably kind of silly now. Now that we've moved on from COVID, there was a reason why we did this. So let's go just let's just go top ten right there off the top. Oh, so the only come difference. On. So the only di- what are you what are you shaking your head at? The only difference on that is Cam Young, and I do believe whether if you want Cam Young or you think Cam Young should be on that team or whatnot, essentially what the PGA of America and this even maybe it's Zach Johnson, what they've done is move the goalpost in the middle of the game. What they've essentially done is turn the par five 18th hole into a par four, just because oh we don't like the scoring now, so we're going to mix it up. Because in almost every other year. Cam Young would have qualified for that team. There's no reason to think that, okay, this should be different than that year. So that, He got a whole lot them. of points from his major finishes in 2022. Sure. That, and I'm fine Cam with Young that. Cam Young has still you not won on the PGA <laughs> Tour. Cameron yeah, Young however, did not qualify for the Tour Championship. Either did, JT didn't qualify for the playoffs, dude. We can, keep, we can keep going down that road. You keep throwing counter-arguments. 5 and 3. Take it easy, Brandel, because what you're doing is you're digging into the stats to decide which which stats you like when they're convenient for you. Yours is, okay, Cam Young didn't make it to the Tour Championship. Well, JT didn't make it to, even to the playoffs, but you right. seem to be fine with that one. Fortunately for JT, he's 16-5-3 and three and immensely popular in the team room, and the guys wanted him. Popular. There it is. He's popular. So what you've gotten to is this is a popularity contest. That is a part of it. That's why I, li- that's why I listed five is or six. Is that the best list- team? Is that the best team? I'm not saying it's not, but if it's going to be a popularity contest, yes, are you getting the, the best team? I think that is. It, I think that is the best U.S. Ryder Cup team. There is a. I do not think. Misnomer. I do not necessarily think it's going to be good enough to win, but I think that is the best team that Zach Johnson could have made. Yes. Uh, to answer the second part of your question, it's Keegan Bradley was the one, and who I would leave, leave out would be a, a combination. We can sit and again. How did you put it? Nitpick. Pick nits. Leave. Pick nits. I don't think that's it. So, so, um, so, so to be clear, you would put Cameron Young on the team I as would. opposed to Sam Burns, and you would leave and you would put Keegan Bradley on that team as opposed to Justin Thomas. Just to be clear, uh, I again, I this kind of boils down to any combination of people. It's, it could either be Justin Thomas, uh, it could be Sam Burns, it could be. I mean, how far, how deep do do we want to go on this one? Like, you want to leave Ricky off? You want to leave Ricky uh, off the team? Could you want to leave Morikawa off the team? Uh, could be. Uh, I think Morikawa was top ten. Wouldn't he? Wouldn't he have qualified within the top ten? Uh, I believe he was eleventh. Oh, he was tenth. Keegan, okay, yes. Keegan was eleventh. Yes. So, uh, he would have qualified. So, yeah, any combination of Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, and Justin Thomas, who were all picks and outside the top ten for Keegan Bradley, for the reasons that I've already argued about. And and look again, 
this is just kind of hindsight in 2020. It, you're like, it'll be fun revisiting this when we get back from Rome, because I do think there will be something said on here, because I have nothing against the idea that you want to go down the list and create the best possible team. And maybe that is a popularity contest, because who do you want to go spend the week with? Is that what, And if that's the conversation we're having, I'm perfectly fine with that. Do you think that creates the best team? Because I'll go back to the idea, and, and I think I've said this story before. I, I remember talking with a, a coach for a European player, and we were talking about the Ryder Cup. And kind of the old cliche came up about the Europeans just seem to get along better than the Americans do. And he laughed out loud, loudly, like a, like a guttural laugh. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, at the last Ryder Cup, he goes, you had players yelling at players, almost getting in fistfights. You had wives crying, running out of the room. They you had vice captains accusing each other of making bad decisions or being homers or whatever the case may be. The idea that it's just it's all happy and, 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 and roses and, and, and rainbows over there, absolutely not true. Did they find a way to put everything together when the time comes and play as a team? Apparently, because they've done a really good job of it over the last decade or so. So the idea that you need to get everybody in this team room that gets along, I think that's wildly overstated. I'm just saying it makes it easier sure. for uh, elements of camaraderie to sure. coalesce naturally if they all like each other. I'm not saying that should be the sole determining factor, and I don't think it was in this scenario. I would also completely disagree with your idea that they should get rid of six captain's picks in favor of how they used to do it, whether it's two, three, four, whatever the case may be. This is wow. Zach Johnson's team. He now has the ability with six captain's picks to create the team that he wanted. He could have had a team with the six best putters. He could have had the team with the six best drivers of the golf ball. Apparently your statistician would have wanted him to do that. Instead, it is clear with the theme of his picks that he wanted that core nucleus of 26 to 30 year olds who have played against each other for the past decade plus. You can't do that when there's just one player that wouldn't quite like you're just making that. That's just one player difference. It's the difference between Cam Young and whoever else you want to pick Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, JT, right so, you, like, right. so you, so you would have left. It's not as though he completely went outside the the boundaries here. Like he made one decision that was different from what the automatic ten qualifiers for. Like I, I don't get how does that work out. I mean, he picked Ricky, who was thirteenth. He picked Justin Thomas, who was fifteenth. No, I'm looking at just the top ten. You were saying that okay, you don't want to go back to the top ten automatic qualifiers. He he colored outside the lines just once in that scenario with Cam Young. Like why? I, I, I'm saying I like the flexibility. I like the versatility. He didn't use the flexibility. like So he didn't, clearly. But if you went to top – so if you look at the top 12 in the point standings, I, I, think, I think it is, I I think it is obvious. I think it is obvious that the point standings too heavily skew towards major championship performance. Wyndham Clark was number two on the American standings. Brian Harmon, whose lone win this year was the Open Championship, finished third. You cannot tell me that Patrick Cantlay or Xander Schauffele did not have a more consistently excellent seasons than Brian Harmon did. And yet they were further down on the point standings. So relying solely on this, including all the points that they're earning from 2022 major championships, which has zero relevance for the matches that are going to be played in September, 2023, uh, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So relying on that basically just to get they're they're kind of the no brainers, I would think, right? Like you're going to have Scotty. He's the world number one. You're going to have, uh, you're going to have Xander Schauffele. You're going to have Patrick Cantlay. You're going to have those types of players. Max Homa, uh, who was a multiple-time winner during this PGA Tour season. But relying solely on that, or I guess more heavily, and taking automatic picks, I don't like it, particularly the way that the points are structured right now. You would just want to use the FedEx Cup points from this season. 
Just, just let's cut, cut to the chase. No, if I right. if I had my way, I would have all twelve captains picks. I wouldn't even use it. No captain wants that. Picks. No one wants that kind. I mean, this is where the problem lies, and we can go to our conversation, which we've had in the past about the Walker Cup, and I think I've, I've been outspokenly critical about that process, where there has well, to be some some. You have, I know you have, and there has to be some level of transparency. And I will tell you that, yes, there's some captains. My guess is Paul Azinger would love to have 12 captains picks. I can guarantee you that Davis Love would just rather take the top 12 because if you played well enough to be inside that top 12, you probably played well enough to be on the team. Does that make for the best team? Probably not. And we can sit and have a debate about what the best number is, six or two or some combination inside that but I, I don't think the idea that he only made one change outside of that top 10 leads me to believe that oh no he has to have this flexibility i don't buy that no, like no captain no captain in recent history has gone outside the lines like that none of them right. and they will not go outside the lines like that i know but i'm saying in past years we've also seen captains who would just go straight down the top 12 and say these sure. are the these are the 12 that we have in that case cameron young and keegan bradley were quote-unquote snubs this year in favor of Ricky Fowler, who was 11th in strokes gain, one in Detroit, uh, has had a resurgent year, and Justin Thomas, who we documented on this podcast, uh, his match play record clearly spoke for a lot. I just like the fact that Zach Johnson can mold this team how he sees fit. He's the one who's staking his reputation to this result. I mean, his his rep is on the line. He will be hailed as a hero, as a, as a as phenomenal leader of men in the same vein as Paul Azinger if the Americans end this three-decade drought. If he doesn't, of course, he's going to be uh, second-guessed to death on podcasts just like this one. So let him form the team that he wants. Don't necessarily hamstring him by some uh, kind of point system that an AI bot created for him. I think that's just kind of the point that I'm making there. All right, we've spent 35 minutes on these U.S. Ryder Cup selections. We'll be back next week, of course, to break down Luke Donald's picks. He'll be making them Monday on Labor Day. Rex, you want to ruin your Labor Day and do that podcast, or should we just wait till Tuesday? Do you, do you really want to disrupt your Labor Day plans? And we're not going to get into your plans. We'll do that at the end of the podcast to talk about Ludwig Aberg, uh, potentially Bobby Mack if he falls out of one of those automatic spots. How about Nikolai Hogard? I know you've been wanting desperately to talk about him. Sepp Straka. If he gets Give the me call some ronk. From Vienna to Valdosta. And then back to Marco Simone. Uh, yes, Damn. we're going to be waiting until Tuesday to break those. Uh, I think we do. Uh, no. All right. Whatever. Go ahead. I feel we'll like we should be that. here for the fans, but clearly you don't You don't agree with me on no. that. No. No one's going to be interrupting their barbecue to hear what we have, and we probably can't even get the podcast cut, but that's a different story. Uh, Rex, how about the FedEx Cup championship? Uh, we were both on site at Eastlake for the Tour Championship. Had, had to run out there. Not going to lie. Had to run out of town a little bit quicker then anticipated CBS, despite seeing strong storms uh, on the forecast, very clear uh, from 3 to 6 p.m. that that was in the forecast, still had the tee-off times. There was a two-hour delay. Uh, we did not have the mini pod. We did, we did not get lit up in the mentions saying, hey, where's the mini pod this week? It's leave it to believe that no one's, no one's actually listening to this. Uh, but we had to rush well, through. I want to rush through to a test right now. I, I want to put that theory to a test right now because you touched on it. So let's put that theory to the test that maybe we'll see who's actually listening to this podcast right now. Yes, that seems aggressive that CBS and this is a normal thing that TV networks do, that they do not want to send players off early and run it tape delayed. That seemed dangerously close to not being able to finish up on Sunday night at Eastlake, which would spill over till Monday morning which you and I weren't going to be there anyway. We both had flights out of Atlanta, which we almost didn't make, thanks to TSA. 
However, I cannot believe that a tape delay finish on a Sunday afternoon because you finished up early for, before the storms came through is worse than a Monday finish. I could be wrong here, but I don't believe that. Especially with Victor Hovland up at one point by seven shots as he yeah. went on Sunday. I think it eventually became more captivating. I'm not sure how many TVs had already clicked off by that point. And just, just to put a fine point, Rex, on that TSA issue, in what world does the busiest <laughs> airport in the world close the TSA line at 9 o'clock? And so the busiest airport in the world, Hartsfield-Jackson, had a single checkpoint for all travelers post 9 p.m. Absolute lunacy. There was madness. There was crying. There was yelling. Near riding the security line, you know, to get your ID and scan your boarding pass. Those folks started to go home because they're like, ah, 10 o'clock. That's what time I'm checking out. I did my 2 to 10 shift and out we go, regardless, regardless of the pandemonium that's happening. Could not believe no. what I was, could not believe what I was seeing. Apparently, apparently, uh, there is a roundabout way that you can get it. You can go through the international terminal, go to the SkyTrain, and that provides access to all gates. Not know that at the time. Luckily, I you and I. Both got back, uh, and I hit the pillow at 1.30 a.m. You were probably similarly timed, and then we are back at it uh, yesterday for our Golf Today hit. However, we did cover the Tour Championship, and Victor Hovland is now the FedEx Cup champion. Back-to-back -back BMW Championship. shot the 61 on Sunday. The Steve Lotito from Scotty Scheffler. And then this was an absolute tour de force. I mean, 36 under par over his last two weeks. Shot 63 to deny Xander Schauffele, who shot 62. In any normal circumstance, Xander Schauffele may have won that golf tournament. Instead, he only narrowly cut his deficit from six shots to five shots. What a performance by Victor Hovland. What a player. What a guy. What was your takeaway from East Lake? And I know you wrote, you took a deep dive in sort of Victor's, I don't know, origin story, whatever it is we want to call it in his work with the Trackman Maestro. And it, it is fascinating to me, and, and I might have said this before, that And I, I was having this conversation with an equipment rep Sunday morning about the idea that normally when a young player shows up on the PGA Tour, they're, they're close to fully formed. All of them work hard to get 1% better. The idea in every aspect of your game, like that's why they're really, really good at what they do because they're always working even at things they're really, really good at. In this particular case, I, I asked this rep to like put a number on how much better Victor's short game is now versus, I don't know, two years from now. And it was somewhere around 80 to 90%, like depending on how you want to, I mean, you can, you can break it down statistically, but just the idea that he turned something that was a, uh, that was an issue that was going to set him back. That was going to dog him his entire career. And I don't think he's the, he's not the best on tour anymore, but now when he misses a green, I fully expect him to get up and down. Just like I fully expect most of the top players to get up and down unless they've just put themselves in an awful position. It's been an amazing turnaround for him. It has been an amazing turn. He may not be the best, but he was 20th best around the green since the PJ championship in May. When Once the uh, kind of technique changes with Joe Mayo have bedded in Victor Hovland's short game has been remarkable. You mentioned the story I wrote for golfchannel.com now and NBC sports.com slash golf new look. Uh, make sure you guys check that out as well. I think it's, I think it's easy to say, Oh, Victor Hovland fixed his short game. All of a sudden he elevated even more uh, and became uh, this this great champion. I, and look, that's obviously a big part of it. It was exceedingly rare to see a player of his caliber have such a glaring weakness. But I kind of dove into more aspects 
and what have gone on to this. Obviously, physically, like when he was in Oklahoma State, he was a little bit of a chubby teenager. Now he's one of the most fit players on the PGA Tour. A lot of changes were strategic. Eduardo Molinari, former uh, European Tour winner, brother, of course, of Francesco, is kind of this uh, stats guru, course management guru. Uh, he's been helping Victor, who is an incredibly aggressive player, not short side himself as often and kind of maximize some of those green light opportunities mentally. You know, he seems to kind of always have that, that if it's not a permagrin, uh, he's at least very stoic, uh, but he can tend to be very hard on himself. He's obviously an incredibly uh, relentless worker. Uh, and so that part has been uh, kind of reduced as well. And then I got into technical changes, not just what he's done uh, with the short game, but also getting back to that bullet fade, which I think you and I would both love to hit where you aim, right? come a little bit over the top and just hit that squeezer that still goes 320. I think the most exciting part about Victor Hovland, he turns 26 next month. It seems like he's just getting better as he has done so each and every year. And this was such a big year for him because he's had a lot of close calls in major championships where he did not play well on Sunday. He had a reputation for just winning on sort of these defenseless resort courses where 19 under par or more was going to lead to victory. Like he won at Muirfield Village. He won at Olympia Fields. Both of those are U.S. Open caliber golf courses. And then he wins against the 29 other best players on the PGA Tour in a Sunday shootout, outdueling Xander Schauffele. This was a, a, a big year uh, for Victor Hovland, well-deserved. And the aerial, I think, even more excitingly, continues to point upward for him. I think so, too. And it was kind of amazing you know, we've kind of ran this into the ground, but the idea that we're not getting on a plane to go to the Ryder Cup on Sunday night, I, I can tell you that there's a couple of Europeans that would really, really have liked to have gotten on a plane and gone play the Ryder Cup this week. And they're all tired. It's been a long four weeks, uh, three weeks of the playoffs. It's been hot. It's been humid. It's been just awful. However, like if you look at how well that European team and, and Xander has been pl playing well too, you can't take anything away from that side. But between Victor and Rory, and you would think that his back would be okay by the time we come around. And even John Rahm, he faded a little bit on the weekend. I mean, it's going to, it feels like one of those teams that's going to be top heavy, but man, the top's playing well right now. Yeah. Like all those dogs are going to be playing four or five matches. They're just going to run them into the ground. DOGS or D A W G S? DOGS. We'll get to the dogs right. uh, in, in just a moment. I do think it's interesting too, Rex. And I asked Rory about this on Sunday and he kind of poo-pooed it, said, hey, it's the Ryder Cup. You're going to get up for it anyway. But the, but most of the Americans now have four or five weeks off. The potential for competitive rust to accumulate is there. That's not going to be the case for the leading Europeans. Rory, for instance, mm -hmm. is playing in the Irish Open just next week. And then the BMW PJ, all the players on that European Ryder Cup team are going to be in Wentworth. They're going to have the Marco Simone scouting trip uh, a couple of days prior to that. So they're going to continue to to, to play into this incredibly important stretch if you're a European Ryder Cupper. And then and then you can take most of the next three months off, uh, say, for the DP World Tour Championship in mid-November. So I think that's going to be an interesting angle to get into. All right, Rex, as I mentioned, this is the first week of the college football season. Georgia, okay, they're playing Tennessee Martin on Saturday. I'll still watch probably just for a quarter or two, and then I'll turn my attention to North Carolina, South Carolina on Sunday, of course, LSU versus Florida State. I believe you're a Florida State fan. Uh, I may be misstating that, uh, but that's the game of the watch on Sunday. What is on the grill? 
I don't know if anything's going to be on the grill. You I, you probably heard this. I should have said it out of the top of the podcast. But so the pool, the deck, everything behind my house <laughs> oh is, being, is being redone. And and the, the crew showed up this morning at 630. Like, I will give them credit. And they're, they're it's kind of a sprint. Uh, I'm going to get to why it's a sprint. There's a hurricane coming. And it's only going to, oh, gonna uh, we're going to catch. Well, it's going to, we're going to catch the southern edges of it. I, I think it's heading. Are you not hunkered down? Uh, what's going on? No, the, la the latest, the latest modeling. Yeah, the latest modeling shows it making landfall east of Apalachicola, I believe is how you pronounce it. Basically, right. in like the big bend of Florida. Right now, we're on the very right side of the cone of uncertainty, uh, even if it continues to track westward as it appears it is doing so in all the latest modelings. We're just going to get kind of the dirty side of the hurricane. And so, look, are we going to get an increased threat of tornadoes? Yes. Are we going to get massive flooding concerns? Probably not, at least in St. John's County, where I am. Uh, but we'll look, we'll probably get some tropical storm conditions. We'll get gusts of 60. Daycares closed on Wednesday. Cam and I, I've already taken out his Gore-Tex. I've already taken out his rain boots. We're going to go out and fight the storm. We're going to go protect the neighborhood, uh, make sure the community is being safe and heeding all of, of the uh, local warnings from the local authority. So it's going to be a big day over at the Lavender household on Wednesday. So hunkering down, no, excited to uh, see what sort of havoc can be wreaked. Uh, yes, most certainly. Uh, why didn't you just go to meteorology school? Why didn't you just become a weatherman? I have a lot of passions. I have a lot of passions for barbecue, a lot of passions for weather. I have a lot of passions for fantasy football, which, look, we had our, we had our NBC Sports Draft on Monday evening, uh, I had the one pick. I hate that pick. I hate that pick. I mean, you're, you're literally waiting there for 15 minutes before you get in. I took Justin Jefferson, if you're wondering, with that 1.01 spot and then had to double back with two consecutive elite wide receivers. You were drafting in the 10 spot, which to me... 12-person 12, 12 league, 12-person 12 league. 12-person league. You're in the 10 spot. To me, if I were drafting, I would want to be in somewhere in that 8 to 11 spot. I think you can do a lot of damage somehow despite being in that plush position, I've never seen someone who did so little apparently with so much Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. There were so many other great options on the board. And yet you took oh, Aaron Rodgers round. also have also in, have the no interest in Deandre Hopkins have no interest in James Connor who plays for the Cardinals going to be an absolute dumpster fire as they tank to try and get Caleb Williams, uh, assuming that Caleb Williams actually wants to come out of Southern Carafters junior years and play for the Cardinals for an absolute dumpster fire at this time. Defend yourself because there is uh, a whole lot to, to not like about the squad, including Rashad Bateman. Nope. Rashad Bateman. You're shot, you're nope. starting Rashad Bateman. In your Don't flex. need to. You, you, you sent me the AI rankings this morning, which I did find were interesting. I, and mine's a B minus, which in sort of my history in fantasy, I'll take a B minus. What was your score? I didn't even see it. I was a B plus, although any reasonable person would look at my roster and say that's absolutely stacked. Colby, who was on our uh, web desk, uh, playing under the name 2000 Tiger. Uh, to me, uh, his team certainly resembles that of one Eldrick Woods. Absolutely loaded. I don't understand some of these decisions you have made. It actually makes me quite excited for the Hoggard Family League that I have been invited to uh, oh so generously that we'll be um, drafting next week. I can't wait to see what you do because uh, right now my competition does not appear fierce. That's not the, the text you sent me after the first round when I got um, Nick Chubb and CeeDee Lamb with pretty much back-to-back -back picks. Uh, you, yes, that I was a good start. Lost. And then somehow good it point. just fell off a cliff. 
somehow. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was probably not the quarterback I had. I had in when I envisioned how this draft was going to go, but I also had it in my mind I was not going to pick a quarterback anywhere in the first five to six rounds. I, I picked Aaron Rodgers in the eighth round. I'm actually perfectly fine with that. And then the backup, my number two guy, who will probably end up finishing the season for me, is Kirk Cousins. Which, if you go to any draft board, will tell you that statistically he is wildly overlooked. And I also got Kirk Cousins in the eleventh round, so I'm perfectly fine with my quarterbacks. There's plenty of issues that came up last night, but the quarterbacks weren't one of them. Uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, big believer in him. I think he's going to have a good year. That's not necessarily going to translate to fantasy stats. Has never Kirk Cousins has never had a top eight finish as a fantasy quarterback. Good real life quarterback, not great. But ten, good, nine. Good real life quarterback. Nine. However. Uh, not a great fantasy quarterback. Rashad Bateman, I have no idea what you're doing there. You don't even have a particularly good option that you could sub out Rashad Bateman for. Quentin Johnston, uh, I, I liked him uh, coming out of TCU. Uh, you at least need to give him to the back half of the season to get going. Uh, you did not You did not actually say, Rick, you did not actually say what you're going to be cooking on Labor Day. This is one of the great barbecue holidays, great barbecue weekends of I, the entire year. I don't know if I can because my entire back porch, everything that I own is either in my backyard or, or in my garage. Like everything had to like they had to pick everything up and and relocate it. And, and they're working very hard. You can probably hear them, but I don't think they're going to be done in time for the weekend because of the storm. Tragic. At least just roll it out in the driveway. Do something. This is a great uh, barbecue. Thank you for asking what I'm doing. Uh, hey, your Reynolds is actually going to play some golf for the first time in months. It'll particularly be nice. uh, very poor golf. And then I'm doing chicken wings on the Weber Smoky Mountain. Uh, you love you love having that top rack shelf, just like your um, uh, pit barrel. Pit barrel. The fat renders out, drips on the coals, flavors the meat. It should be delicious. Also, grill off some pork tenderloin, which is an underrated, I believe, an underrated football snack. Finger foods, always a crowd pleaser. And then my in-laws have ordered like lobster tails from some company in Maine or lobster rolls. I'm not sure if the lobster tails or lobster rolls. I'm kind of hoping the lobster tails. I'm assuming they're lobster rolls. That will be uh, consumed for lunch yeah, with possible leftovers once the games Ooh, get going. Lunch. Once the good games get going on Saturday. I know. What an extravagant lunch that I'm looking forward to. All right. Two Americas. <laughs> yes, it really is. Um, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lab. Make sure you check out golfchannel.com, which will now redirect to NBCSports.com slash golf. Same golfchannel.com, just a new look. We'll be doing the exact same thing. Do not panic. We'll still be doing all of our written content, podcasts, videos. I have a 1,500-word news story up on the website right now that you can get to. We're actually be writing a column later today on... Uh, breaking down the picks. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what we just talked about right now. I, and again, I this is not being overly critical because you have to sort of let this thing play out but there's certainly bits and parts of what zach has done that i think are interesting okay so make sure you guys check that out on the website later today we'll be back next week for a recap of european captain luke donald's picks thank you guys for listening hope you have a great labor day enjoy those lobster rolls wherever you may be having shout out tsa Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 
there are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.